Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 32 of the Hardly Millennial Podcast, where we are young, dumb, and full of opinion. Opinions, ladies and gentlemen. Across from me today is not the usual Matthew Lynn, but instead I have Justin Lunds for today. How are you doing, Justin? Howdy. Feeling good. Very cozy. Good, good. I'm glad you're cozy, man. So uh, today uh, we're, we're actually going to just kind of go off with like what Matthew and I have been doing with some of the more philosophical or hypothetical questions Can't those are wait. usually usually a lot of fun and i think it's gonna be really fun having uh justin here to give his opinions on him uh but actually before we get into that there there's something else i wanted to talk about and it was something that you brought up with me this morning and it was the would you call it childism Childism, yes. Childism. So why, don't you, so why don't you explain what, what this story is first, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Okay, where I came across the term childism, which it's a new ism. I thought I knew all the isms already. Uh, well, they they were interviewing. It was C-SPAN or some kind of news network of, of some kind. They were interviewing a non-binary, uh, so gender fluid, I suppose, woman who was raising two children with two other people who are also nine binary or gender fluid or transgender. I don't know the specifics as each one. I'm not saying they're all the same thing. I just don't know the specific. Okay. So um, the the uh, he mother or she dad of these children was mentioning that Assigning gender-specific pronouns to a child at birth is childism because you are automatically assuming that just because a child is a child, it does not have the capacity to decide whether or not it is a boy or a girl. So instead, they would assign them, they, their pronouns, which sounds ridiculous, but whatever. Apparently, somewhere there's a loophole in the English language that makes it okay. So... Well, didn't you say that they they are presenting this child as like neither a boy or a girl? Right. Yes, they are withholding um, whether or not this child is, was born with male or female genitalia um, in order to get people to treat this child like a gender neutral being so that it could decide they or they whatever could decide on its own uh, what it wanted to be. Okay, so what I wanted to ask you about that, or what I wanted to get your opinion on in regards to that is, so obviously we have we have the age limit for a reason, right? So like you're, after 18, you're no longer considered a minor, right? 18 right. and beyond. So before then, 18 and younger, your parents basically have full control over you and your decisions Correct. and how you go about things, whatever it is. So based off of that information... Is it okay? Do you think it's okay for parents to make this decision for their children of in regards to how they wish to present their child? Or do you think this is something that's much more serious that should actually be maybe maybe a law or maybe like against it? Like, is it okay for a parent to make that decision that we're going to treat our child as an ambiguous being until they decide what they want to be? Well... It's hard because you don't really know until you see an outcome uh-huh. whether or not this is something that's going to be harmful or not beneficial. So what I would say is 
no, it is not against the law. There shouldn't be a law against it until we realize that it's caused serious damage. Right. Okay. Because it's not intentional. Okay. But what I think should happen personally is see what happens, see what, you know, how the child fares. And then later on, I think they should be able to press charges against their, their family for causing them a great amount of distress. That the child can. Oh, absolutely. At what age do you think it's appropriate for a child? So like I'm gonna you, stick by 18. I'm gonna stick by 18 for everybody. So a child. So let's say a child decides at 14 that, that, like, fuck my parents. How fucking dare they do this kind of shit to me? Like they fucked me up. Whatever it is. And then when they turn 18, they can say I'm filing a lawsuit against my parents for doing this to me. Right. Just like a a child who uh, is not 18 who is you know, fallen victim to domestic abuse or something like that. There is an advocate for the child if the child does, you know, report that he has been or she has been or they are there, whatever, (laughs) has been um, abused. Uh So I would treat it just like child abuse. Absolutely. Do you think there's a difference between gender and sex? Um, I do not. I think that there are variations of gender. I think there are deviations of people who don't want to fit within their gender. Uh But I think that gender roles have evolved over time for a reason. There are things that men are good at that women are not. And there are most definitely things that women are good at that men are not. Having worked in an environment filled with mostly women, Uh there are some things that come very naturally to women that I really admire and I wish that I could do. And I find that because of my being a male, I am not gifted at those. Now, there are males that are, uh-huh. okay? But you do not make a rule or a accepted generalization, I guess, based on an exception. An exception is an exception. They should be protected. They should be considered. But you do not write the rule or the law around them. Gotcha. Okay, I, I agree with you on that. I just thought that was an interesting story you brought up to me this morning. So yeah. I just felt the need uh, to bring that up. I am a very proud childist. Mm-hmm. I am an intelligent adult, but was a stupid child, as all of us were. Right. And I'm very glad that we are not left up to our own devices. <laughs> yes, I, I do agree with that, especially thinking back. How old is the child when they think they're going to run away, really? 10? Yeah. Okay. 10 or 11. Yeah. How, how capable is a 10 or 11-year-old? Not capable at all. Right. So we're going to let them decide if they're a boy or a girl? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, and that's what I've always just thought was strict. Like, it's one thing to have your – to let your child to, to decide, you know, based off of these new quote-unquote roles that are being written within our, you know, society in regards to gender fluidity – it's one thing to let them decide if they want to be a boy or girl. It's another thing if, like, your little girl at the age of 12 is like, I want to be a boy, and you start buying fucking pills for them to make that transition. Oh, absolutely. You know? Self-expression is one thing. If your six-year-old boy is watching his mother put makeup on, and he just naturally feels the desire to try makeup on, mm-hmm. well, then he can. Put it on him. Let him put it on himself. If he wants to wear it out of the house, he can. Then he is going to decide whether or not he likes the way that he's treated or likes the attention that he's getting and if it's worth wearing it. And then by all means, that right there builds character. Plus, I, I think it's weird that the first thing that parents are jumping to these days is my child thinks he's a different gender, right? So using the example of like a little boy, you know, if... 
Because what's happening right now is just as you said. If like all of a sudden you find that your your son has this infatuation with wearing makeup or wearing a certain type of clothing or whatever it is, the the number one thought it seems like that's jumped to now is my ch- my child you know wants to be a girl and maybe even the child is voicing this to an extent. Right. But me as a parent, if my twelve year old boy was doing this, the first thing I would think of is, oh, my boy is gay. Mm-hmm. You know, and he just hasn't, you know, figured that part out yet. And this is how he's expressing that until he figures that out. But, you know, even if you decide maybe he's gay, but I don't want him wearing makeup, uh-huh. even that is a discipline your child is going to learn. There are some things that just come with living in your parents' household that you have to do because they're your parents and they said so right. that helps you learn a certain level of respect and discipline. And I agree with you. And I think a big issue today is we're letting the kids have too much power absolutely and saying well if this is the way my child thinks the house should be ran then that's the way we're going to do it it's like no that's because th- what's going to happen that child's going to grow going out in the world and thinking oh well everything's going to evolve around me right. instead of oh i have to assimilate to whatever standard society places there for me i'm not saying that children are stupid okay children are very intelligent when you take away all these biases by take away all the bias that we've, you know, developed over time becoming adults, we lose a lot of that um, ability to see the forest for the trees, okay? Whereas children, they have that ability. They're able to see what's right in front of them, and they're very blunt. But children are also really dumb. Yeah. Because they just don't have experience. So Mm -hmm. there are some things that we can learn from children, but more importantly, there are things that children need to learn from us, and they take much longer. Yeah. I would would definitely agree with that. It's it's an interesting and slippery slope, but, you know, I mean... Just as you said, we're just not going to know until these kids grow up and then see how it exists. Because who knows? Maybe that's the fucking best way to go about it. Maybe these kids grow up like fucking, you know, free living spirits and very intelligent. And maybe they live happy life, happier lives because of how they were raised. But give your children. But, I mean, my growing up was not particularly easy right but i'm really glad there were some social norms that i was able to conform to in order to simply fit in in a world that is already extremely confusing right um so at least give your children the opportunity to fit in to the normality of society and Mm -hmm. then let them further express themselves later and just make sure it follows your parameters some parents are really liberal about letting their children just kind of express themselves with clothing and doing doing whatever they want, which is fine because you're going to encounter people in the world that oppose that or that aren't quite as liberal, and that is how you learn. That's experience. That's not something that you can just be taught. You know, so give them the opportunity to be normal because there's always a chance to be weird. Right. We've all been, we've all had a weird point in our lives. Yeah, I definitely we've, had We've some, all had a phase. <laughs> absolutely. And it was mm-hmm. weird and sometimes very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But it, you learn from it, you know, and there's a reason why you either are continuing that trend or lifestyle, whatever now, or you're not. Right. Nope, I agree with you. All right, cool. Well, thank you for clearing that up for me. I'm glad someone cleared <laughs> it up. Uh, to kind of segue, too, into some of these questions, you were you were bringing up, you brought up how you thought, you know, kids were are very intelligent. Right. But what they lack is experience. Right. right. So what do you think is more useful? Do you think intelligence or wisdom is more useful? 
Well, wisdom is what's going to keep you alive. Okay. In my opinion, wisdom is what's going to help you manage stress in your life. Okay. Mm -hmm. Accepting things that you just cannot change. That's wise. Okay. Um, Intelligence is being able to see why these things are wrong and and able to make a a strategy to change them. Okay. So intelligence is going to help you rise to the top. Wisdom is going to keep you alive. So at the end of the day, I would say wisdom Mm -hmm. is more important. I know some very unintelligent people who buy homes who are very happy. Mm -hmm. Okay. But um, it's, it's people who are wise. It does not take an intelligent person to understand that if you plant trees in your backyard, you will always have food. Right. True. Okay. It takes a wise person to realize that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take an intelligent person to learn that if you learn how to fish, you know, it's better than someone giving you fish. You know, it's the old, right, you can right, teach right. them how to fish, you can give them fish or it's whatever. Funny. We literally just talked about that yesterday. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a little behind, I guess I should have been up on that. But you know. we, we, we just brought up that same, what is it, a proverb, an idiom? One of those. It's a it's a proverb because it's, it's it's probably literally from Proverbs in the yeah. Bible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I I would say wisdom and wisdom is achieved usually through experience, experience right? Yeah, which is why you don't you don't have wisdom growing up and a child will just fucking die. <laughs> yeah, that's okay? true. But you can have a strangely intelligent child, you know, especially how how these children can learn three languages at the same time. That's not going to keep them alive for the rest of their life, but it will help them rise. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I think it comes back to because uh, what we just called it growing up was like you're either book smart or street smart. No, you're not either, right. but you could be book right. smart or street smart or both. Well, I, I just I, I feel like that was just our way of kind of defining like intelligence and wisdom right because it was the sense of like we knew people where you know and i think we've all known the people who do super well in school get you know a's every time i mean you were one of them i would mm-hmm. argue that you had you know both the street and the book smarts but i think there are people out there who had like the book smarts but you'd be like oh you just wouldn't last in the real world though because you just don't get how it fucking works yeah but that has nothing to do with um being street smarter or or school smart that has to do with how much you had to be on the street. <laughs> you can't be street smart if if you'd never had any type of street I experience. Guess, I guess I was I guess we weren't using street smart as a, as quite as a literal term. I think it was just like I said, I oh, think we were using it more as like an intelligence versus wisdom. Resourcefulness thing. versus like knowledge acquisition. Yeah, like common sense versus, you know, being able to pass a test. Oh, that's all know? intelligence. Is that all yeah, intelligence? We just choose where we want to apply the intelligence. All of that is intelligence. You don't have wisdom growing up. So wisdom is not street smarts. It's literally just intelligence. If if a kid who is 12, who has no access to a bong, right. looks around his house and he finds things to make a bong and it's functional and he uh-huh. had no model to look at it or anything like that, that is an equal amount of smarts as to a kid who's going to grow up and learn how to solve a calculus equation, no problem. Right. Okay, that's it's the same kind of ingenuity. It's using something you've already learned before and applying it to better your situation now, the general generalization of, of facts and, and knowledge. Um, it's all intelligence. Okay. It's, yeah, it's applying knowledge. That's what intelligence is. Right. You know, it's that, that person who learns a concept in math class uh-huh. 
and then passes it on the test, uh-huh. passes the class, and then never thinks about how that's going to apply to their life. Uh-huh. That's someone who is acquiring knowledge, but not really applying it to create any kind of wisdom or anything like that. That's not an intelligent person that's regurgitating information. It's a parrot. Yeah, true. And those exist, for sure. Lots of them. Right. Well, I mean, I'm I, I'm kind of confused though. What, what you mean, though. So you, you mean that there are people out there who will, like, learn these things, know them very well, but won't apply them in the correct way or well yeah because i look at it as like one thing that always bothered me with school and and i was not you know you know i was an average student but i definitely had classes i failed and shit like that and uh specifically math you know one thing that always bothered me with math was learning all of these equations or you know ways to figure out things and my argument was always when the fuck am i ever going to use this Mm -hmm. you know in my daily life and even today you know i don't find myself you know i find myself applying simple addition subtraction division and multiplication Mm -hmm. when it comes to some of these like long algorithms or algebraic expressions whatever it was you know i I don't apply those at all well you would have if you would have it comes down to choice. If you would have chosen a path that led you into that. Right. So it's not that you are not intelligent. Right. You're very intelligent. I've seen you do some things that require intelligence for sure. But I mean, the amount of uh, the application of knowledge of space, space time Uh continuum, stuff like that. Those are things that some people who are a lot more educated can't quite grasp. I see. You choose to put your efforts there. And that's ours to choose. Right. Okay. But you're not letting it go nowhere. When you learn a new concept, you can apply it to space. You can apply it to, you know. Yeah, that is true. I I did the best in math when I was doing astronomy classes and had to apply math to, you know, space shit. Exactly. You know, but okay. That, okay. I get that. Then. So you're not regurgitating information. You're able to apply information. Right. Okay. So you're able to take the knowledge and apply it. You're intelligent. Mm-hmm. You're not just regurgitating a fact right you know i meet a lot of people who are great parrots Uh and they can they can recite you know theorems and everything beautifully and then you know pass a test and go on and never resource any of that knowledge again in the rest of their lives and that to me is a lack of intelligence well it's so it's funny you bring that up because i think that's and i think i spoke to somebody about this not on a podcast though but because I think that's exactly what is wrong right now is we have all this information available to us. And I think you have a lot kind of a, a little like setup here. I've, I've talked to you before where one of the biggest issues I think people have is nobody listens to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. So what happens a lot of the times when you're having debates or conversations with people is instead of the opposite person listening to you, what they're really doing is they're formulating a response in their head of what to say when you're done talking. Yes. So there's no listening. It's just talking at each other back and forth. And I think that's an issue we have right now where there are people who just will go online, you know, and read three, four, maybe they read 10 articles, you know, Mm -hmm. about something. But at the same time, though, they're not taking that information. And I think you know, using the right side of their brain to interpret it, you know, and, and apply way, it and apply it the way they should be. All they do is if somebody says, you know, no, well, this is like this. All they can do is pull the information from the four articles they read and just regurgitate it instead of yeah. finding things from that person's point of view or perspective. So, we're, 
Unfortunately, the actual art of listening or the skill of listening, we dismiss that very, very early on in a child's education in this country anyway. Do we? Yeah. We talk about reading comprehension a lot, but Uh we don't talk a lot about actual listening. You don't see any tests where someone is sitting across from another person and they are being told information Uh and then they have to repeat back information. And the reason that I know this is because my dad... Uh, he is a fireman, uh-huh. um, higher rank now, but fireman when I, you know, when I was younger, and you know when when you grow up, you know you listen to things get read to you, and then you answer questions. As you get older, you start reading these long paragraphs for like standard test, standardized testing, and then you answer back, and you can go back, and you can always reference this paragraph or this essay that you're reading, right. so that you can further answer these questions okay Uh but we don't have any testing that requires us to listen to someone talk to us Uh and then answer a question so when i took the Mm. test to become a fireman i did fantastic on everything written right but the listening portion which i'm actually a really good listener it was strange to me how hard this listening portion was i didn't have any ability to go back and reference the information presented to me i had to listen really well one time and that is because we are conditioned to come back with a great rhetorical answer right we're taught to debate right exactly so we're getting the argument ready in our head Mm -hmm. and we're shooting ourselves in the foot because we're not technically in our quote-unquote reading the article before actually answering the questions so yeah so, well, I was just going to say, so in that situation, so I'm assuming, what, somebody for this test, somebody was just spitting off information at you. And one time. One time, and then you had to write. So, Well, what happened was you were listening to a call okay. with a dispatcher. Okay. Okay, and then you had to answer questions um, about where you're going, you know, what they need, what the problem is. And it was like five questions you had to answer based on this you know, um, two and a half minute conversation with the dispatcher. Gotcha. So you're, but you're somebody who I revere is not only being extremely intelligent, but just as you said, a very good listener. Mm-hmm. So what was it? I mean, I, I understand you were younger at the time, mm-hmm. but like, so what was it when you were listening to this call take place that you were having issues like, re- cause you're somebody who I've always known to be really good at retaining information. Yeah, exactly. So, so what was different about this particular instance that made you realize that, Oh, we're, I was never taught at that point how to listen you know, correctly. One, it was recording. I couldn't ask them to repeat anything. Okay. I couldn't ask for clarification on something like I can with you, you know. Right. So say our wor- our verbiage is just different. Right. I can ask you to, you know, um, repeat something with different verbiage in order for me to understand it quite better, or I can ask you a question about it that kind of can clear it up. I so see. in a conversational standpoint, we're able to do that a little bit more. Uh-huh. But in a debate, or um, I mean, say you go into politics and you have like presidential debates or vice right. president, whatever. Um, you're not really able to have someone clarify. It makes you look not quite as intelligent uh-huh. as the other person, like what you didn't understand, how I said it. You have to make me re-say it so you can understand it. Uh-huh. So, and, which is valid. That's true. It does uh-huh. make you look less intelligent. So you should be able to retain all that information. So right. even me as someone who prides themselves in being able to do that, I lack the uh, 
not so much anymore. I've I've gotten better at it because I I that was a wake up call to me. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I just lacked this ability to fully immerse myself and just listen and absorb the information that way. So, do you think listening then is more so? taking exactly what the person says at face value or do you think somebody listening should take further steps to analyze and interpret exactly what the person meant and i mean let me give you an example here i'm somebody who i feel i'm notorious for this and my and i all of you and my friends have been very kind with me with this where there's a lot of times that maybe I don't explain things very well but you guys know what I mean so you guys don't feel the need to like go back and say like oh you're talking about this or you're talking about that or I don't have to go back and like re-explain myself in a different way Mm -hmm. because you guys take the time to interpret what I'm saying and know this is what Adam means right yeah so do you think that that's something that people should practice more with like going to politics for example right. you know i think we have this conversation about trump a lot where trump we can all agree is a fucking idiot with how he speaks he's not a good public speaker at all oh be careful with slamming your feet but uh there he's not somebody who's necessarily a great speaker but i think the difference is you have one side that's taking what he's saying at face value and you have another side that's taking what he's saying and saying oh well you guys are misinterpreting it he actually means this or this is clearly mm-hmm. what he means so what's more important should should trump uh be better at uh you know make a point to be better spoken and uh be better defined and what he's talking about or should people take more steps to try to analyze and interpret what somebody means with what they're saying oh great question well first i think it really depends on the setting okay so you and i know each other really well I feel like it's part of my responsibility to understand Mm -hmm. the way that you speak and understand whether or not you are how you wish to come off Mm -hmm. or what you really meant by what you said, okay? That's a friend's job. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you don't end up really being friends if you can't figure that one out. Right. Okay? As far as Trump (laughs) or a professional setting like that, um, I think there's a little bit of responsibility to go around. So my philosophy will just start with Trump, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. I think a president is responsible for so many things. He has so many hats to wear. He does not wear the role model hat. I don't think he's a horrible role model, but he does not wear that hat well or easily. Okay. And I don't care. Okay. Because I think the most important thing for a president to be is a is a policy maker, someone or a decision maker. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as far as I'm concerned with how it, you know, how it goes with the Constitution and relates back to me, those parts are sound for me. I know people are going, how can you say that? How can you possibly come across as someone who supports him when you're a gay man? Because gay is not in the Constitution. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, It's important that my rights are heard. I wish that the entire world would accept that. Mm -hmm. Okay, but when it comes down to it, we need to protect our constitution. It's the only way to make sure that we are all treated equally. I believe in rules. Okay. Because rules are the same across the board. At least they should be. Right. So when Trump speaks, 
as long as it's not going against our conversation, I'm going to let it pass and just chalk it up to he's a little bit of an idiot sometimes when it comes to Twitter. I mean, if it doesn't go against our constitution. Yeah, as long as everything that he's saying is constitutionally sound, any uh-huh. policy that he makes, any joke that he makes, it's not a threat to the values of our country as far as it is written, not as far as someone wants to interpret it in their heart. Okay? okay. I don't care about what's in your heart. Right. Your heart is not in our constitution. Right. I don't want anyone's heart in our constitution. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the case of like politics – you think it's just more important to just what they take what they say at face value instead of interpreting it. Absolutely. Whether it's interpreting it interpreting it well, uh-huh. you know, for something better or for something worse. Listen to the words. Don't utilize your right to interpret the tone. Because uh-huh. everyone can interpret the tone in a different way. When he was saying America first, mm-hmm. he meant that as Americans, we should put America first. He wasn't referring back to some Nazi time where people were saying that. He wasn't referring to murdering people or anything stupid like that. He was referring to putting our needs first because we are our country. Right. Okay? Take it for what it is. So if he says something that clearly sounds racist or something like that, to me, that's when you call someone racist. I personally have not heard him say anything that to me was blatantly racist. Mm -hmm. So if it's not blatantly racist, it's not racist because racist has a definition. Okay, so it just depends who it is. If your children say, I hate you, do you take that at face value? Uh, No, I guess not. No, you say, well, you're an idiot and go to your room. Right. I love you no matter what. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it just depends on the situation. And I think that takes wisdom. Oh, oh. Like how you uh, circled back there. Yeah. Okay. Touche. See, touché. I'm intelligent, right? I used a <laughs> I used a concept we spoke of earlier, and yep. I circled it back to a concept later in order to better our lives. And no, you absolutely did. You absolutely did. An- another question I had that I think falls along kind of these these same lines of what we were talking about, and and given how much I know you, I'm actually curious how you go about this. Uh, what two questions would you ask to get the most information about who a person truly is? So let's say you just meet a stranger. You've n- never met this person before in your life, never had interactions with this person. Mm-hmm. What two questions do you ask them to get like the best sense of who that person is? Do you believe in a higher power? Okay. That's probably the one. And either way, they answer that does not necessarily make them a good or bad person. It really just gives you a sense of where their accountability is. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So I think one of them would be, do you believe in a higher power? And the second question, what a, what a crazy thing to be asked just... Trust uh, me, there's a lot of these. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of these we ask each other. We're like, wow, I've never fucking thought of that before. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I agree with your first one, though. I think that's a good one. But I'm curious what your second question would be. The second one would be... Take as much time as you need. <laughs> okay, I would say... Do you believe that everybody should contribute for the greater good? Okay. You know, or do you believe that everyone should be able to choose where they contribute? 
so, so so you're basically asking are you a socialist or are you a capitalist kind of thing right yeah in some way or like what values? i want to know how much of anyone's life they feel should be mandated uh-huh. I th- that's the thing is i don't really want it to be a political answer right I don't want it to be a political answer. I, I'm, I'm curious. Because I, I neither one makes you a good or a bad person. Right. But, I mean, well, that's why I was interested. Because there was there was something I read once that said one of the... It, it was it was like a poll that was actually like, hey, what questions do you ask, you know, somebody? This was talking about, like, dates, when you go on a date with somebody. And one of the questions that's most commonly asked now and I think you actually know this from living in LA because I think this was kind of the standard in Los Angeles I hate this question is what's your political affiliation right are you a Democrat or are you a Republican I was asked that many times in my time of living in Los Angeles yeah and I'm so sorry (laughs) so you don't think that that's something that should be as far as the first two questions you ask somebody you don't think that holds weight at all well, it's not going to tell you a whole lot about the person. It's more or less going to tell you, depending on how old they are, how are you raised? Mm, I don't. I don't think so because I. I think. In, well, first of all, I agree with you. Like, I. I wouldn't. Uh, in the sense of like, I wouldn't personally ask the question, "You Democrat, Republican?" Simply because I don't care, right? Mm-hmm. But, but we live in a time now. Where both sides have, it's not to say that both sides are extreme, but both sides have very opposing values mm-hmm. and opposing ideals that I almost under, I don't agree with it, but I almost understand why that would be a question. Because, for example, if you ask somebody, you know, are you Republican or a Democrat, and they respond Republican, for example, right? Typically, if somebody responds Republican, you know, oh, well, that person's against abortions, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if somebody's like, oh, I'm Democrat, you know that that person's ideals align with pro-choice. You know, now it varies how extreme both of those ideals go. Right. But you know that that's usually the core and the base. Well, okay, so if you're asking me what I would legitimately ask someone when I met them, uh-huh. I suppose a political affiliation, even though I wouldn't really want that to be, could be one. But I'm just thinking to really get a sense of who someone is, what should we ask? Because if someone believes in a higher power of any kind, Mm -hmm. that's already going to tell you how they feel in ballpark about things like abortion. True. Well, well, will it though? Because like, for example, I, I know... I can't use me as an example because I, I I'm different, but like I you know I believe in a higher power. You know I th- I argue you believe in a higher power. Maybe we don't call it God, right? You right. Know, we call it something else. But Allah. Mm, Allah. Just kidding. <laughs> that was good. Nicely placed. Nicely placed. <laughs> but. Uh, but there are people out there who I know believe in like a higher power, but still have, you know, strong stances uh, for or against abortion. Mm-hmm. So I know people who believe in a higher power, but are pro-choice still. Oh, right? yeah. So do I. Well, you know, and vice versa. I believe in a higher power and I'm pro-choice, but I am anti-abortion. Right. I don't think you should be told how to conduct yourself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that it is wrong to kill something because you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. So 
I can judge you for having one, but I don't think the law should stop you from getting one. I don't think the law should stop a doctor from performing what they want to. I believe that should also be left up to the free market of, say, choice. Okay. Right. So, I but, mean, I, and I agree with you on those fronts about abortion. But what I'm what I'm saying though is, would the question then of whether or not you believe in a higher power really set kind of a a core uh, like a a core value system for them. I would actually argue that instead of asking, do you believe in a higher power? Ask them, are you religious, right? Do you See, believe in God? I, I don't think that's a good one. Because wouldn't that tell you something more than just, do you believe in a higher power? Because higher power can be interpreted as a lot of but things. But I'm not religious, but right. I believe in a higher power. And I think that's going to give you two very different, you know, I believe in accountability. Uh-huh. And that's because I believe in a, a higher power. So you don't necessarily have to feel like you've sinned. Uh-huh. But you do, if you believe in a higher power, you do need to understand that whatever action that you make sends a reaction into the universe that is now going to, you know, affect as a, you know, a, a ripple effect, I guess, to the people around you. So uh-huh. at that point, you need to decide if an abortion, which in my mind, a lot of the time, not every time, I do understand where abortion is necessary. I truly do. Whether an abortion is, you know, something that you want to do and put that energy out there. Okay, that was a growing thing inside of you that was developing a heartbeat, which the heart produces the most amount of energy of anything on this planet. Uh-huh. Okay, you are now ending that possibility. So you are changing the way that the world works if you believe in this higher power, if you believe in that universe. So if somebody tells you, so if you ask somebody, do you believe in a higher power? And that person tells you, no, I do not. Mm -hmm. What does that tell you about that person? Significantly less accountability for their actions. Okay. So, but that's why you asked the next question that I said, because that determines what level of accountability you feel like you have to the people around you. Okay. Because if you don't believe in a higher power, people are the only thing that you have any type of accountability to. Right. And that could be a multiple different, a multiple, sorry, an infinite amount of ways to, you know, behave in this life. But I feel like those will narrow it down the most, the most broadly. And this is from a philosophical standpoint. This is not from what I would ask if I was in a room with people drinking wine. Right, right, right. I understand. But uh, so it sounds like to you how, how, accountability is very important of somebody's character. I think accountability shapes every decision you make. Okay. And the decisions that you make make who you are. Because it's based off of whether you're doing something for yourself or other people, right? It's based on whether you care how anyone else is affected. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So those are the two questions you would ask. Do you believe in a higher power? And and do you believe in... uh, Do you believe in... uh, universal contribution for the greater welfare or do you believe in the ability to contribute where you choose okay so that kind of leads me into the neck it's interesting you bring up accountability because i'm reading this next question i think it actually follow falls in those same kind of lines of why do we judge ourselves by our intentions but judge others by their actions because you don't know their intentions do you think we should make a point to know their intentions before judging them on their actions as often as possible unless it goes against the law or the constitution okay all right fair enough that was fast yeah that that's the thing is once you are messing with the laws that are supposed to get us all treated equally Mm -hmm. that is when I don't think intention matters. 
Okay. Ooh, here's here's one I know you you might have opinions about. Where do you think is the most worthwhile place to find meaning in life? Work, family, hobby, religion, philosophy, helping others, all the small miracles, or something else entirely? What was the beginning part again? Where do you think is the most worthwhile place to find meaning in life? Hobbies. Hobbies? Yes. Okay. Hobbies are a place you go where you've chosen to go. That is where you are going to find truly like-minded people who are pursuing something that makes them happy for the simple fact that it makes them happy. And then one of the beautiful things about hobbies is if you... You don't have to be talented at your hobby, Uh but if for whatever reason you get really into it and that energy becomes contagious, you can start a business and you can create a platform for more people to be happy. So I met my boyfriend. I decided to meet my boyfriend based on our hobby. Okay, there are plenty of gay men out there Uh and a lot of them like me. But when I met someone that was truly and equally as passionate about living things like animals, um, to me, that was something truly special, truly different that made me truly happy. And that is a fundamental thing, fundamental uh, sharing, I guess, that Uh him and I, he and I have. So I say hobbies 100% because church is some people's hobby. True. True. So going kind of with the hobby and you like mentioned your boyfriend, do you think it's more so than uh, that? Because because you you, because you're you're very much in love with your boyfriend, you know. So do you think then based off of you guys had the same hobbies, that's what brought you together. Do you think opposites attract then or attract? Is that what I said? Yeah. Attracting. Or do you think it's more important to have more similar interest in order for an attraction like the one you have with your boyfriend to exist. So opposites provide balance, in my opinion. Um, I'm not going to ever say that I'm an expert in relationships, but I am going to say I waited forever for the right one, and now mine's lasting. So I'm going to go ahead and call myself an authority on patience, which is weird. I'm not a patient person. (laughs) And um, how to do things Right, from a first-timer's perspective. So I believe that things that draw you together should be things that you have in common. Things Mm -hmm. that keep you together are things that balance each other. If one of you is insanely high-strung and the other one is very, very low and not bothered by external energy, Mm -hmm. hey, those are opposites. Those go well together. They complement each other. Mm -hmm. But you have to have something mutual to bring you together, okay? So... If you are more of a shallow person, which they're out there and it's not even wrong, I'm sorry, it's just a type of person, and you're attracted to people who are very attractive uh-huh. to you, tens, okay? And then same to say for your significant other, that right there right. is what drew you together, a love for tens, a, lo- a desire to only be with a ten. Right. Okay? So if both of you were incredibly vain, that's not going to work. Right. Okay. There has to be one of you who is going to balance out the other's vanity or else you're not going to appreciate each other's vanity as much. It's what drew you together, but without a glue that's, you know, a puzzle piece. One of them is a positive image. One of them is a negative image that technically they fit together, right? Right. Convexed and concave. Um, And those are what binds you together. 
So, you know, when, with uh, my, my boyfriend and I, I'm a very high-strung person uh-huh. about things dealing with, say, money, you know, financial security, things like that, because I've never been great at it. Uh-huh. He's fantastic about it. He's a lot more insecure about, you know, emotional stability and look, being looked at as somebody who is emotionally unstable. And for me, I get him. So that doesn't matter to me. Gotcha. Because I understand his emotional state. Mm-hmm. So we were attracted by our mutual love for animals. And I would hope that we both had each other very attractive. <laughs> but the balance is what keeps us inseparable. Gotcha. Okay, so you're you're attracted by what's similar, and then you're you stay together by what's opposite. Right is basically like what you're saying. Well, I feel like this is getting very interviewee. Are there any of these questions that you're interested in asking, or want to talk about, or discuss? Interesting. You know, there's, there's 202 of them. Oh my <laughs> gosh! No kidding. That's why you've just been shooting them at me. Yeah, there's there's so many to go. That's why Matthew and I have been doing them so often because they're just super fun to talk about. I mean, even now I've known you for years and I feel like I've you know learned a few new things about you. Okay, you know I don't see it on here, but I want to know. Okay. How much can you compromise in a relationship, romantic or platonic, Okay. before it's just too much? When do you say, I'm not compromising anymore? Because compromise is supposed to be a skill. Right. Well, to me, it it's all dependent on time so it's i and i feel like we kind of discussed this a little bit when you and i were talking about like love and marriage on one of the previous podcasts we did where it's just in regards to like how how much like how much that person is what that person is doing and if they're making like steps to change right Mm -hmm. i also believe that people deserve chances you know even people who do some of the worst things in this world i believe you know unpopular belief but i do believe a lot of them deserve second chances you know and maybe sometimes third fourth or fifth chances but at one point you have to ask yourself how is this weighing on me or is this person actually taking steps to you know change maybe certain things that are unhealthy for this relationship that are you know very noticeably unhealthy it's one thing if it's just like and then it's also like what you choose too right if it's something like like this person doesn't like this or this person doesn't like this that's something i feel like is very petty to get upset about Mm -hmm. whereas if it's something like oh this person has a drug problem they need to get that taken care of then well then that's a little bit serious you know there's less chances to be given there and i think that's where uh the compromise comes in but I don't know. It's such a gray area because I also have strong beliefs that when you're in a relate, I I really hate the term of, you know, you have to work in a relationship and it's not that I'm not willing to put in work into a relationship, but it's when I, I get really tired when I see these couples who are constantly fighting or constantly complaining about each other all the time or whatever it is. And then the excuse is, well, it's a relationship and you have to work at it. Well, 
love should be work, but love shouldn't be a fucking grind. Well, don't I think it should be easy to love someone. Uh-huh. Okay? You should love them. Right. The love two people have and the relationship, I mean, those are two different things, right? People who love each other get divorced all the time. I love him. We're just not right for each other. Uh-huh. So... When is enough enough? Is there a part of you that you lose? That you're like, I can't lose that about myself. Or Right. Well, and that's, I think that's the problem too, is I feel like a lot of people mistaken love for comfort. If you've been with somebody for two years, or hell, let's just say, let's give it a shorter time. Let's say you've been with somebody for six months, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now there's this sense of comfort and familiarity that exists within that relationship. I myself have found myself in relationships that I've been unwilling to end simply because there's a comfort and familiarity with it. You know, and I think a lot of people get into those those stages and then they they find themselves in this gray area where is it love or is it familiarity? So it's a question of why am I still here? Yes, exactly. Okay. So I, that's when enough is enough. When it's yes. no longer because I love her or love him. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. It's just, yeah, why if you start wondering why am I still here and the instant answer isn't because I love them. But what I'm arguing is I believe there are people who do ask themselves that question and they do tell themselves like, oh, it's because I love them. And I would argue that they're, they've become delusional and the, what they're considering love at this point is familiarity, but they're skewing the two together. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's funny. I'm reading this because we've actually discussed this. and uh, But I like that they gave examples. So the question is, uh-huh. if it was discovered that a personality traits were partly genetic and could be removed with gene therapy, would it be ethical to edit out negative character traits that harm others like extreme aggression, okay. compulsive lying, okay. or cruelty? Okay. So yeah, so we did we did talk about this off mic a little bit. So I just don't think you should fuck with any of it. I really don't. I think mm-hmm. I think we and I can't think of specific examples. I know they're out there, but I think when you start fucking with the natural order of things and I mean we we see it just with bits of, with like nature and climate change even you know the smallest change the butterfly effect right the smallest changes can lead to the biggest you know right. outcomes right so when it comes to something like that yeah maybe somebody who's a lot of aggression cuz I do believe everybody is you're you're meant to feel everything there's a if you're somebody who's more highly ag- aggressive than maybe the average person i i do think there's a reason for that there's a natural order as to why you're feeling that way some people who believe in god might argue that it's a test some people who don't might argue that it's balanced whatever it is but the second value you take that away well your body was meant to develop with that particular personality trait in mind so now when you take that away i think you're fucking up the entire system and me as somebody who believes everything is balanced i believe that the way our bodies develop and our personalities develop are also based off of balance 
Okay, so... So when you take away that aggression, well, now you might... Now, the reason why he was... That person was so aggressive or had that much anger built up in them was to maybe balance something else out that they have in them that they don't even know about. So now that you take away that aggression, maybe that person spends the rest of their life depressed now and doesn't even have the capacity to be happy because you took away this extreme aggression that they had that maybe balanced something out. Okay, so... I'm going to alter the question a little bit and remove the slippery slope possibility. Okay. Okay. We're literally just, we're going to say this is for, you know, bettering people's lives, not enriching their lives and making them blue eyed instead of brown eyed or anything like that. Okay. We're going to go ahead and remove the slippery slope (laughs) argument. Okay. And say, um, you know, we've seen that documentary on YouTube of a girl who has such intense Tourette's her life is ruined right her whole house is destroyed and and it's just a disaster her life is a disaster and she hits her mom in the face and she spits at people and Mm -hmm. she can't help it she says sorry afterward and everything and she you you remember this right yes okay so she ended up having a surgery Mm -hmm. that cured it yes what would be the difference of doing it while she was in the womb Versus, you, you know, fixing her life with the surgery after. Because one is a person, because one example, you're taking away a personality trait and the other one, you're taking away a disease. Right. So what if, what if, uh, so would you be okay with taking it, the disease out when she was uh, in the womb? Yes. Tourette's? Absolutely. But oh, okay. if, but if this person maybe had a predisposition of being a little more angrier than somebody. Than what about like, a compulsive uh, liar? Compulsive liar? No. Keep that in there. It's a personality trait. That's, that's not a disease? I don't consider it one. Do people consider compulsive liar a disease? Yes. It's in the DSM-4, I believe. It's called something, something fantastica. Really? Yeah. I had no clue. That's not the, I mean, maybe. But the, the problem is, is like... I don't know anybody or I have never seen anything like of somebody who suffers from this disease of compulsive lying. Mm-hmm. So I have no clue like what that would even entail. So it, it kind of goes back to what I've talked about with like depression and anxiety. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I might put compulsive liar um, in the same category where do I believe that chronic depression and anxiety are actual things that people suffer from? And there are people out there who do need the pills to, to correct that balance in their brain. Absolutely. But do I believe that 98% of them are just really, really sad or really, really anxious and don't have that issue? 100%. But don't you think that if we saw it as a genetic set, uh-huh. that that is a disease <sighs> like alopecia, well, that's it's funny. You, 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 wait, what's alopecia? When you 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 won't you can't grow any hair on your entire body, <sighs> nowhere, no, no none in your nose, none, right. no brows. So your sweat goes right into your eyes because you have no lashes. None in your ears, so everything goes right into your brain. <sighs> I mean, the the problem is we we talked about taking away the slippery slope, and I I think when you talk about things like depression, anxiety, or com- being a compulsive liar, mm-hmm. that is a slippery slope. But why, if you can see a gene for it? Well, I think it's a... So I would argue and say that anything that could alter your personality, I would not take away. 
regardless of whether that was depression, anxiety, compulsive liar, because I think those things are there for a reason. When it's something like Tourette's or would you call it al- alopecia? Alopecia. Alopecia. Those are not things that affect your personality, but they can affect your your. You're, I mean, I would argue it could affect your way of living. I just yeah, self-confidence, self-worth, the ability to fit in or make friends. But I think but it comes back to balance, whereas I, I think there's a reason why there are people out there that don't carry confidence. And I, I, I maybe the reason why there are people out there who have less confidence or low self-esteem is so that the people out there who are nurturers have something to nurture. So now this is just an example. This is one example. Mm-hmm. So now if you take away all the self-esteem from people, but you don't take away the nurturing from people because that's deemed as a positive trait well maybe that's going to affect this great amount of people now who are nurturers because they have nothing to nurture now okay you know what i mean see this is why when i meet somebody Uh, i would like to know if they believe in a higher power because while you're not incredibly religious you believe in a higher power right? right and you just mentioned that maybe these people exist so that other people can have you know a benefit in their lives you know they can bring people together and that is indicative of a higher power whether it's just energy that you're putting out in the universe right, right? or god so and then uh how are you on time uh i think we're actually reaching the end here i would love to go further but adam does have a day job that he has to go to (laughs) i know i know that was a good one to end on though that was that one really had to make me think but i mean just to kind of sum it up i i think anything that has to do with maybe a a physical deformity i don't know what you would you would you consider tourette's a physical deformity? probably not right no but if you took a picture of someone with Tourette's, you wouldn't have any idea there was anything wrong with True, true, true. So, I mean, I guess anything that has to do with, like, how it affects somebody's personality, I would keep regardless of what it is. And then anything like maybe a mental or physical deformity like Tourette's or not being able to grow hair anywhere or growing too much hair everywhere, like, those are things that I think are okay to be like, this is going to make this person's life harder. You know, whereas, like Fair. I said, I, I think people who are depressed, even people who are born with chronic depression that I would still argue is a personality trait, think there's a reason why they're around. We do have pills to help those people. And I think they exist not only for the nurturers, but I think they exist because they bring something to somebody else's life, too, that, you know, they don't even know yet. Or maybe we don't even know yet. So I think when you fuck with that balance, you're you're fucking with something much higher. Well, I wish this was a three-hour podcast, but I do understand. <laughs> oh, we will be on more, sir. I really appreciate having you on today, Justin. My thank pleasure. Thank you so much for filling in for Matthew. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening today. Um, always appreciate the listeners. Remember, you can find us on all the social media platforms. Uh, you can still, I think my our GoFundMe is still going. So that's www.gofundme.com forward slash hardly millennial. And Justin, any final thoughts? Stay in school and grow a garden. There you go. Stay in school and grow a garden. All right, guys. Goodbye. We'll see you tomorrow.